let's talk about let's talk about when love grows cold. And uh, I'm not just talking about say a romantic relationship, but when when the spark in your heart fades, when your love of life, your love of God, your love of people, it just goes away. It goes away because life is tough. Let's read Matthew 24.12. Jesus is speaking, and here's what He says. This is an end times prophecy in the midst of that. We'll read a little bit more of it here in just a sec. But Jesus says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. So what Jesus is saying is people are going to come up against difficult things. They're going to come up against harsh realities. They're going to come up against cruelty and sin and injustice. And it's going to go from darkness on the outside to darkness on the inside. Have you felt that happen in your life before? Where something ugly and evil and bad was out there and it got in here. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But hey, that's life, right? You wise up over time because you see what this world has. The question isn't whether or not you're going to run into wickedness. The question is, how are you going to respond? That's the only question. It's not whether or not you're going to come face to face with it and have it hurt you. The question is, what is the response going to be? Because that's universal. It's universal. Let's read the whole context here of Matthew 24, and or most of the context, not the whole thing, but a bigger chunk, and get an idea of what's going on. Jesus is talking about when is the end going to come. And so he's, he's giving a prophetic message about the future and what people are to expect. And uh, do you believe we're in the end times today? We're certainly closer than we were yesterday, right? Uh, we are in the last era before the return of Christ. So Jesus says this, all these are the beginnings of birth pain. So he's been describing wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and all that stuff. And he says that the end isn't going to come then. That's just the start of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me. So what Jesus is saying is the believers are going to face opposition from the outside. There's going to be harshness coming towards people who believe in Christ from the outside. Is that getting stronger? We live in the United States of America. Don't think it's hard for you. It's easy to be a Christian in America. It's easy. Um, things I've heard about uh, the Islamic State and things that are going on over there um, is bad, bad news. Bad news. Um, we got it good, but people over there, I got an email a couple weeks ago, what they're, they're, um, they're killing kids to coerce the parents into converting. 
And if the parents don't convert, they kill the kids. And it's just, it's, it's super harsh. Um, I love America. But even here, man, we can face trouble from the outside, right? We can face mild persecution, but still some mean stuff and things like that. But Jesus is saying in the end times, there's going to be harshness coming from the outside towards believers. He continues, though, and says at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. So what he's saying is, you're going to have serious trouble from the outside and you're going to have serious trouble on the inside. Is is the body of Christ a cohesive unit that functions and encourages each other universally? Now there's all kinds of infighting and separate groups in a big mess, right? At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. So he's saying there's going to be trouble on the outside of the church and there's going to be trouble on the inside. It's going to be hard. And that's where we come to verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. How important is it to stand firm to the end? Is that a blessing just in your life in general? To have that love in your heart not grow cold? Is that a blessing? Amen. Is there something else that rides on this? He says, He who stands firm to the end will be saved. People might ask me, so what exactly does that mean? You know, all those sorts of things. My answer is, I don't want to find out. I'm gonna, I'm planning on staying on the right side of this deal. You know, I don't wanna, I don't wanna risk anything. I want my love in my heart to not grow cold. I wanna be an overcomer. I don't wanna find out what this means. I wanna stay strong. He says, and then, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We're getting close, aren't we? The gospel has been pretty much preached in all nations. It's pretty close. There's some unreached people groups and things like that. But man, for a guy talking in a desert in the middle of nowhere 2,000 years ago to be able to say, what I'm telling you right now is going to cover the whole earth is an amazing thing to say. And we've seen it come to pass. So, Trouble for the believer on the outside. Trouble for believer on the inside. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. We know we're going to face trials and difficulties and struggles and not just ones that are associated with religious ideas and that sort of a thing. We just face wickedness and evil in our life no matter what, right? Here's the question. If the love in your heart has grown cold, if that spark that you used to have is gone, if the love of life, the love of God, the love of people has just faded away because of all the harshness that you've experienced, if your love has grown cold, is there any coming back from that? I tell you, there is coming back from that because we serve a God who says all things are possible for Him who believes. Amen? If we believe... We can come back from that. We can get that spark back. We can get that love back. We can get there because we can believe our God to bring us there. 
But how do we do that? I like the mechanics of theology. And here's the how you do it. Romans 12, 21 is the essence of how you keep your heart from growing cold. How you keep that spark, how you keep that love. Romans 12, 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen? Amen. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I think this verse goes in the easier said than done category. Amen? This is in... You think your attitude should be the same as that of Christ. Jesus is tough. How about overcome evil with good? (laughs) Do not be overcome by evil. That means when the steamroller of evil hits you, you stay standing. That's a tough one. Right? Have you ever, in the middle of the night, you've just been like, you know, what's that? Well, you've been overcome. The evil's gotten on the inside. That's hard to avoid. Especially when it's, when it's dark and bad and wrong and it's completely unjust and it hits you. It's hard to keep it from getting on the inside. But we have a command, which I always take commands as a promise. Because, hey, if this is expected of us, then I'm believing God for the power to get there. Amen? Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I don't want you to do that Christian nice thing. Have you ever seen people do, like they read a verse like this and then they they respond like, well, isn't, isn't that nice? Isn't that sweet? Oh, I just... I like that. That's a nice verse. And then you just move on with their lives. We're expected to do this. This, is, this isn't just a cutesy idea that we can smile about and then we move on with our lives. We're supposed to overcome evil with good. Not be overcome by evil, but be overcomers and overcome evil with good. That keeps our heart strong. That keeps the love in us burning rather than us getting jaded and depressed and just calloused so don't pretend evil will come your way how will you respond let's talk about some of the natural responses to evil coming your way the increase of wickedness hitting you what are some natural responses um natural response number one let your heart grow cold calloused and jaded Because that's just where you need to get to protect yourself. Let your heart grow cold, calloused, and jaded. Is that what we're looking for? No, but that's a very natural response, isn't it? Haven't we been there? Where you you just get a thick skin and you quit trusting people. That's not where we want to get. Another possible response, a natural response, is to repay evil for evil. When evil comes, sometimes people want to fight evil with evil. There's darkness in the world, there's cruelty, so we're going to add more darkness and more cruelty. And somehow that's going to make it better. We're going to fight evil with evil. You push me, I'm punching you. You, you punch me twice, I stab you. You know, that's the escalation of evil. As you repay evil for evil, you always pay more, right? Because it feels worse when you receive it than it does when you give it. Have you noticed that? 
You might say something didn't matter a thing to you. It crushed someone's spirit. It, it was nothing coming out, but boy, when it, when it was heard, it was huge. So they've been hurt a lot more than you think you did damage. So when they return that, it's coming gangbusters. You think, hey, that's totally out of bounds. It's way more than how much I hurt you. And then you're feeling it more than what they thought they were sending. So then you send more back and you get that escalation of evil. That's not what we want. We don't want to repay evil with evil. Then, another somewhat common response of when the evil of the world hits you is to just kind of check out. You know, to run and hide in your mind. You know, you just kind of live in a pretend world. Have you met people like that? They just sort of like, are you here with us? I think you're not wanting to face reality and you're just living in a dream world here. You checked out. We don't want to check out. So we don't want to become calloused and cold. We don't want to repay evil for evil and we don't want to check out either. What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Well, I'm going to give you one more negative example before we get into the positive examples. Um, Don't play the enabler. That's not overcoming evil with good. Um, That's different from the first three that we talked about. That's where you try to do something nice to fix a broken situation. But what can happen if you're the enabler is instead of overcoming evil with good, you're empowering evil with good. So the classic example is, you know, so-and-so is it has an addiction that costs money and they can't pay their uh, rent, so I'm going to give them cash to help them out. Am I now helping them out? No, I'm empowering evil with good. I don't want to do that. I want to overcome evil with good. So don't get hung up empowering evil with good. That's being an enabler. That's not overcoming evil with good. It's a good intention. It's a soft heart trying to help, but you just end up empowering evil. So don't play the enabler. How do we overcome evil with good? This is the time in the sermon where you need a funny story. So I'm going to tell you a funny story. When I was in high school, I was on the track team. And uh, I was a nice kid, smiled a lot, you know, didn't talk much. I was pretty quiet. If you want to know what my personality is like, just look at Seth. We were pretty much the same. Um, and so uh, I went to this track meet and this... You know, there's about 10 teams there, whatever, everybody's milling around. And some kid from another team said some mean thing to me because our teams are kind of rival teams and stuff. And uh, I didn't catch it. I thought he was just saying hi. So I said something nice to him. And uh, he was a little shook by that, but he was undaunted. So he said another mean thing to me, which I also didn't catch. And so I said something nice back to him. And they go, oh, he's continuing the conversation. What a nice fella. Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? You know, so here I am in my little uh, misunderstanding of what's going on. And, and then, so he said two mean things, and I've said two nice things back. Then he said a nice thing. He just gave up. He's like, this isn't going to work. You know, I'm trying to get into the whole, oh, yeah, we're better than you thing. And it didn't work. The kid isn't catching on. So he just gave up. 
and was nice and friendly to me for the rest of the day. And we'd talk to each other, you know, you run into each other periodically in a track meet at different places. And we'd chat and, you know, and it was a nice, fun friend for a day kind of a relationship. And then on the bus ride home, I thought to myself, hey, wait a minute. He, <laughs> he was trying to be mean to me. And I didn't catch it, but it taught me an incredible lesson. When you repay good for evil, you may have to do it more than once. But at some point, good wins. And so I repay good for evil, and it overcame the evil. Now, it was just a small little situation, you know. I mean, a, a kid trying to do the whole, you know, our team's better than you deal. And, and that, that was it. So it wasn't a big situation, but it, it taught me a very, very important lesson about overcoming evil with good. Did Jesus ever overcome evil with good? So let's talk about some situations where Jesus overcame evil with good. Do you remember Jesus had the multitudes that followed him and then he had a, uh, a smaller circle. Then he had his 12 disciples. And of his 12 disciples, he had the three that were right there with Jesus. They were there when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. They were there when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain. Those three were his three. James, John, and Peter. Do you remember what Peter did when Jesus was arrested, tried, flogged, and crucified? Do you remember what Peter did? Peter said, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know this Jesus. I got nothing to do with him. And he did that three times. Is that wickedness? Is that darkness? Is that sin? Absolutely. Jesus had that betrayal hit him. When he was going through something extremely difficult, you add the betrayal of Peter to that. Jesus prayed for Peter before that even happened. And then, after Jesus rose, he came to Peter and he said, Feed my lambs. And he overcame evil with good. He overcame betrayal with forgiveness. He overcame... Now, Peter Peter went fishing. I don't know if people understand the significance of this. This is like somebody who's... who, you know, their job is... Um, in whatever job, they're a school teacher, and then they decide to go into the ministry and become a missionary, so they go to the mission field, but then... It doesn't go well, so they go back to their teaching job. I mean, this is, Peter is going back to fishing. He's, he's thinking, it's done. Jesus is dead and I've, I've shook, washed my hands of him. I'm done. So he's going fishing. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. You might think you're done, but you're not. You're forgiven and you're reinstated. Come on in, let's get to work. Jesus overcame evil with good. 
Jesus overcame evil with good when He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He didn't become jaded. He didn't become calloused. He didn't repay evil for evil. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't, they don't understand. Have mercy on them. Jesus overcame evil with good when He saw a sinner, a tax collector up in a tree. And He says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to eat at your house tonight. And He broke down the barriers between the highfalutin religious culture and the sinners of the day. And He said, the rabbi is going to the tax collector's house for supper tonight. He overcame evil with good when he had dinner with Zacchaeus. Jesus overcame evil with good when He healed on the Sabbath. When the religious legalism had pushed out the love of God for people, Jesus proved that God still loved people by healing them on the Sabbath day. Was God the Father in favor of healing on the Sabbath day? Yes, because the healings happened. Pretty obvious. Jesus overcame evil with good by healing on the Sabbath day. Jesus overcame evil with good when He said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. He overcame evil with good when He said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Jesus overcame evil with good. Not only did Peter deny Jesus, but you, after Judas, Judas is dead. Jesus rose again. He goes to the prayer meeting where the disciples are, but Thomas isn't there. There's only ten. And uh, there are ten of the twelve. And so those ten tell Thomas, Thomas, Jesus is alive. We saw him. He, he's risen. It's awesome. And Thomas says, you guys are quacks. Goofballs. Unless I see it for myself, I'm not going to believe all ten of you. And so a week later, there's another meeting and Thomas is there. And by the way, Thomas is there. So what does that say about the ten? It says, okay, yeah, Thomas, he's denying the resurrection right now. Yeah, that's Thomas. He'll get it. He'll get it. We're not going to throw him out for denying the resurrection. It's a fairly significant theological mistake. But we're not going to throw him out. We're going to keep him here. We're going to love him because we know he's going to catch on. He'll get it. He'll get it later. He'll figure it out. So he's in the meeting. They're still friends. They're still worshiping together. And Jesus shows up. And he over overcomes evil with good by saying, Hey, Thomas, why don't you put your finger here and put your hand right here? He didn't throw Thomas out and say, Ten's good enough for me. Thomas's doubt was overcome by the kindness of the living God. Jesus overcame evil with good when He asked a Samaritan woman for a drink of water. And there's lots of ways to overcome evil with good. Amen? Asking a Samaritan woman for a drink of water was a big deal. 
It crossed um, religious lines. It crossed ethnic lines. It crossed uh, sexism stereotypes. It, it busted everything open. He overcame evil with good by asking a Samaritan woman for a drink of water. I want to just take a moment to pray for just a second because it just seems to me that it's part of the human condition that love grows cold. Right? I mean, you go through hard things, you experience tragedy, you experience pain, you experience betrayal, you experience sin, and you just aren't the same. But I believe our God wants us to have that back. Not naive and foolish, but mature, but with fullness of love, fullness of love of life, fullness of love of God, fullness of love of people in their imperfect state. I believe that's what He wants for us. And if we pray for something that we know He wants for us, we can believe for it. Let's, let's look at... Um, John 14, we're going to use this as our our faith verse so we can believe for this. Jesus says something quite amazing in here. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So Jesus says to his disciples, man, you think this is cool? Just wait and see what you guys can do. And then he says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Does having your heart healed from becoming jaded and dark and wanting to do harm, having that healed to where you have that love rekindled in your heart, is that something that's going to bring glory to the Father? Hallelujah. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, in my name is not the magic words you say at the end of a prayer to get God to do what you want Him to do. Let's understand what in my name means. It means that, that we are underneath the authority and underneath the will of Christ. That's in His name. So if He says do this, then we do it. That's in His name. Like, for example, if I was to tell Mike, go to L&M and buy some stuff for the church, and he goes to L&M and gets some stuff for the church, I sent him, right? He's, you could say that's in my name. He's going to L&M. Now, if he just goes to L&M and buys whatever he wants, that's different, right? So this is the in my name thing. Jesus is saying there's certain things you can believe for and that are right and the will of God. I'll do those, is what he's saying. Is having your heart healed so you can have that love rekindled and reignited, is that in his will? Absolutely, you can believe for that. And you can believe the promise that says He'll do it. Ask me for anything in my name, meaning anything that's in my name. And we know He doesn't want that love to grow cold. So let's pray for just a, just a little bit and believe God to rekindle that in our hearts because we need that. So let's just bow your heads however you want to do it.
Let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we honor You and we worship You. Lord, we know that You don't want our love to grow cold. You don't want us to become calloused and jaded and bitter. You want us to, to stay full of love, full of love of life, full of love of You, full of love of people. So Lord, I pray that You would bring healing into our hearts. Lord, for the things that we have been hit by in this wicked world, the cruelties we have experienced that have changed us and, and made us cooler. Lord, heal those things and bring us into that, again, that place of maturity, but not maturity and cold. Maturity and full of love. Love of life, love of you, love of each other. Lord, bless us in that way. We believe you will bring us to that place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There's another way that Jesus overcame evil with good. You probably have been waiting for me to uh, bring that one up. Jesus overcame evil with good by going to the cross. Amen. He overcame evil with good by what He did on the cross. The first way He overcame evil with good is all the evil of that world at that time was focused on Him. The injustice of the political system, the cruelty of people, the uh, betrayal of the insiders. You know, one of the twelve turned Jesus in. Then Peter denies Him. Then Thomas won't believe. He had trouble on the inside as much as he had trouble on the outside. Jesus took all that evil and He overcame it by going to the cross and turning it into the salvation of mankind. So instead of cruelty to a good man who was innocent, wickedness, darkness, we end up with the salvation of mankind. Talk about overcoming evil with good. So that's the first way Jesus overcame evil with good. But let me tell you another way that Jesus overcame evil, and this is more personal. And I want you to get a hold of this, because this is really, really important. Not only did He overcome the evil of the world and turn that into the salvation of mankind, but He overcame the evil in here. Jesus overcame evil. He died from my sins as a substitute for the wrath of God. The wrath I deserve, Jesus took. He overcame the sin, the wickedness, the evil in here. I want you to fully understand that and fully grasp that today. Because if you can be free from the guilt and shame of what's in here, you'll walk a little taller. You'll be freer. Jesus overcame that evil with good. And He put His love in here Instead of that evil darkness, He puts love in our hearts. Is there anything that can separate us from that love? There is if you'll let it. 
the wickedness and darkness of this world, if you let it, it will separate you from the love of Christ. But it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to separate us from the love of Christ. Because we can overcome evil with good. We can not be overcome by evil. We can do that through the power of Christ. We're going to read Romans 8, a bunch of verses here. And it's really talking about facing really, really hard things. But knowing God has a grand plan and knowing that there's nothing this world can throw at us that will separate us from the love of Christ. Romans 8, starting in verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is He that condemns? You know who condemns, right? It's not God. It's we can condemn ourselves, and Satan will try to convince you to do that. It's who is he that condemns? It's our enemy. Christ Jesus, on the other hand, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Because He overcame evil with good. And there's, there's nothing stronger than the blood of Christ. Nothing. Hallelujah for that. <clears throat> I'm just going to close in prayer in just a second, but we're going to have the prayer team up here. They can pray with you individually. You know, just like we've talked before, some things don't just happen at the snap of a finger, but they're a process of fighting through and, and continuing through. And, and man, if, 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 if that love has grown cold and you haven't gotten free yet, don't just think, okay, well, I guess that's not for me. Fight the good fight and continue with it. And the prayer team can help you with that. They can help you believe that those calluses can come off. They can help you believe that that bitterness can be done away with. They can help you believe that the violence in your heart that you want to repay evil for evil can be taken care of and your capacity to forgive can be brought in. They'll, they'll, 
work with you through that and appeal to the Lord for you. If you've got any other kind of need, come and receive prayer. One of the things that can stop us from receiving from God is that we don't ask. James said, you don't receive because you don't ask. Let's ask. They're here. Let them pray with you. Let them help you ask. Whatever that need may be. So let's, let's just close in prayer together. And then I'll invite people to come up and receive individual prayer. Heavenly Father, you are so good. We give you praise. Lord, I pray that each, each one of us, as we look at our hearts and we see if we've become calloused and cold, if we've put up those walls and those barriers, Lord, help us to be honest about that so that we can be fully and completely free. Lord, if, if there are those who have received a miracle this morning, I pray they would just be able to rejoice in it and let it become more and more established in their hearts. But Lord, for, for those who are fighting the fight and continuing through, Lord, let them continue to fight. I pray a blessing over each one that's in this place. Let your light shine in our hearts and your strength come through us. So bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I invite you to come down for personal prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord today.